So. So, so, oh, oh. Welcome to Cordonandrum. I'm your host. Holly- <laughs> I'm your host, Holly Ray Greystone. And I'm your other amazing host, Gary Thorne. Yeah, for a second there, I thought maybe you forgot your name. You're like, <laughs> and I'm your other host. I'm like, yeah, you know, that that guy over there on the other side of the universe. The loud, obnoxious one. Only slightly so. Welcome to our show. <laughs> we are going to continue with our conundrum. And that conundrum is, is what the hell was Star Trek thinking with dealing with queer issues? Now, we have, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about um star trek next generation we talked about deep space nine and now we're going to be jumping into two particular particular ones that happened right around the same time and that is enterprise where scott bakula was the captain and voyager where um kate mcgrew was our wonderful janeway and so we're going to be talking about those uh particular shows and how you know the core issues and some conversations around that but before we jump into that Gary, what's new with you? Well, I went in today and got my COVID test. Yes. Have you had to have a true COVID test? Are you asking in my medical profession and history, have I ever had something shoved so far down my nose? I feel like it tickling my brain. Yes. No. Ah, uh, well, I did. And I think I lost a couple of brain cells in the process, which I, I can't afford to lose. So. So, good. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't say much. I'm just, you know, so, other than that, I'm just enjoying life. It's so sad because, again, I think our listeners will realize that we're doing a couple of these in a row. And so even though they're coming out weekly, they're going to realize it's <laughs> not um, a, a lot. There's not a lot of time when we're doing these. So today was so exciting for me. Because I got to leave the house to go get the COVID test. So your one, out. your one highlight of your life right now is the fact you got to leave the house finally, see yes. other civil, the rest of civilization, only to have a tiny Q-tip shoved up your nose. Yes, and that was other than, of course, talking to you and all of our. Oh, there we go. Thousands of listeners. It there was it the, is. I was like, it come was on. my <laughs> favorite part of the day. Right. So. It was amazing. I, I got I, on. Go oh, ahead. The other thing, I got on the scale finally to weigh myself. And I'm not going to tell anybody about my weight because you know that's something that I don't even tell Dean. I was like, holy living fuck. I need to stop having the quote unquote COVID diet and start um, watching what I'm eating better. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. So that's been my, that's been my, the, the majority of my day. Oh, oh. And oh. I watched, um, I watched some game shows. You watched game shows? Oh, man. Yes. I need to give you more work to do over there if you have time to watch game shows. Hey, I need my space. And actually, while I was looking at the stuff that you demanded I do, you know, yes. I'm just saying, because you're such a, you know. I'm a project was, manager by day, so I have a tendency to delve out tasks. And since I had nothing to do, she gave me some stuff and I was watching it in the background as I was doing it. So I was watching the, yeah. the show called, you know, no whammies, no whammies. No whammies, no whammies. Yeah. So, so press uh, your to, luck. on the conversation, since you mentioned it, it's like, yes, listeners, our friends out there listening to us in their earbuds, 
we are recording a couple of these shows together and that actually is a strategy for recording podcasts uh, if you if you check out your favorite podcasts and you have that you know just kind of research them or ask them if you have that opportunity you'll find that a lot of them actually do batch recordings and part of that is we have lives we're not getting paid to do this uh maybe someday in the future we're able to do this more full time we're partnering up with other companies we're producing content in different formats for you guys. But right now, as a podcast starting out, we have full-time jobs. I run my own company uh, with another uh, another co-founder of that business. And then we run this. And this is a, legitimately a business. Cornundrum LLC is legitimately our business. It's, we're building it up from the, from the ground up at this point. And you are... You're basically coming in at the beginning of this and you get to be a part of that journey. And I love that you get to be a part of that journey because you get to see a little bit or hear a little bit of behind the scenes of what it is to to build a website, to build a business, to build a podcast, to put stories together. It doesn't happen overnight. There are very talented people out there that can just create stuff overnight. Uh, A lot of that feeling of overnight actually comes from hours and hours and hours and even years of experience before that feeling of like, Oh, they just created out of nowhere. They were just, they were in the middle of a pandemic and they created this really cool thing. Well, the pandemic was the impetus of what might have driven that change for that person. But those are years of experience that brought that there. And that's what we have here is we have Gary, who is a director, who's a writer, who's an actor, he's a creator, um, helps organize our shows, help generate some of the content. Who's writing our 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 blogs? You have me, who uh, you know, I have my own thing that I do with project management, running businesses, dealing with contracts, uh, talking to people, learning things, developing content. So you you put those you put these two wonderful human beings together on one podcast, and you get Cornundrum. I'm also how I actually make money is I'm a manager of a dining hall at a college. So <laughs> right. You know, whatever I, day job. I wish I made money on some of those things she said, but no, that's all just, I do it for the love of it. So fair. You know, it, that's, we all come from different walks of life and we have different experiences throughout our lives. So I'm glad that our listeners get to be a part of that. So uh, kind of going into what, you know, just kind of, you know, what's going on with me, I guess, since I went on my little soapbox, I was working no. on contract stuff for our business, my other business, CCS Empowerment. I work with small businesses and um, small, medium businesses develop an online profile. So I was working on a few things there, but I did get a slow start to my day. I woke up with a migraine, which I don't get them very often. And when I do, it's like my brain has just become a punching bag to, to everything that has uh, light, basically. So the sun, the light bulbs everything, even cheery dealing attitudes. with me. Dealing, yeah. Cheery attitudes can sometimes be too much of a ray of sunshine. And I needed a few hours to get going today. So I was me talking little, too loud. You're talking too loud. Shut up. Your energy is too much. So, but I've, I've since um, I'm on the rebound on that. So I'm feeling much, much better. Um, I've been watching. I'm much better now. I'm much better. I've been watching um, Supergirl, which I will go into when we get into our core corner at the end of the show. Yeah. But remember, so, but to get into that's what we're our show. talking about later on too. So yes. Not oh, too much. Not, not too, too much, much. But I that's that'll be part of our core corner at the end of the show. But before that, uh, let's get into the our subject, which is uh again, our conundrum is what the hell is Star Trek dealing 
you know, what was what was Star Trek doing when they were dealing with these queer issues? And we're going to jump into Voyager, the best well, show ever, sure. and Star Trek Enterprise, which... Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought we'd talk about Enterprise first because that came first and then Voyager came next, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I uh, could be wrong. Oh, not in the season release, but cannot, yes, it was Enterprise and then Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Because so, the whole um, premise behind Enterprise was that they were the first interstellar ship right after the first contact. And they had developed the first, you know, the first starship, which happens to be Enterprise. So the episode in that, that even comes close to talking about anything queer was, um, a show called Stigma, which I like to call the Vulcanades. Episode. Oh yes, because well, in it, fact, if you Google Vulcan AIDS, you Star Trek Vulcan AIDS, it's yeah, it, it's it the, comes up, it comes up, it it's comes in up. forums, a lot of conversations have been had around it. So the the Vulcan AIDS is the they in Star Trek universe is called Panar syndrome, and the way it was portrayed very much comes across as. I don't know what you, what would you call it the nod to the allegory of AIDS allegory yeah there you go so it was I need to state right now that I love Star Trek mm-hmm. almost every every version of Star Trek I love I and I'm sorry to those who I know there's a huge fan base out there for this I have not liked Enterprise I've tried to watch several times. Even, I'm sorry, Holly, this episode <laughs> drove me crazy. I even, when it got to the B story, every time it came to the B story, I tried to watch that, but it was so stupid to me. I fast forward ahead. So I'm going to be fairly negative, which what? is so unusual for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that, and I think on this subject, I, w- I think we would find a lot of agreement on Enterprise was, it was a show that took me a while to even get through. It took a conversation or two with some friends that mentioned, hey, have you watched that? What do you think? And it's like, well, I haven't watched it, so I can't really give you an informed opinion. I just, the first handful of episodes was just excruciating to get through. And they're like, oh, it gets better. Just like all TV shows, it gets better. And I'm like, all right. So I had my, I had my, my wine on standby and I, and we were, my partner, my wife, and I would watch through the, you know, a couple of episodes. And it was so bad that I actually rewrote the intro song every episode. I the, the the music would come on and I would just make up lyrics. I have no idea what those lyrics were. They were literally 100 percent just ranted. But I would I would stand up in the middle of the living room and act like I'm on stage and just sing my heart out to the the theme of the song but completely different and it's like because they show you a few minutes of the show with like what's going to happen you know kind of set it up and then they break to the 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 opening music and run credits and stuff and it just was so bad it was just like and we're gonna die today you know just terrible i hated the intro music i love the graphics but the intro music was just terrible so it made it really hard especially the last season when they changed it like they changed it to like this contract playing and it was so bad that like if i was in the other room and i didn't have my finger on the button i would be yelling at the hall down the hall at my wife 
skip. You need to skip, skip the intro. There's a skip intro button built in. You need to be hitting that. And I would, if I had to go to the bathroom, I'd be like, hand her the remote and have her thumb on that button because I hated that intro song so much. Anyway. And I just want to say this point that Holly says she's not controlling. I just, you know, leave it up to the listener to decide. I have, I have strong opinions about things. That she's not controlling at all. Thank you. You have it on record. I'm not controlling at all. Thank you. That was said sarcastically. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I do want to say on this particular episode, what the reason they did it, and I had to find the information was that Viacom, the owners of Paramount and Enterprise, mandated all its TV series would devote at least one episode of the subject of AIDS awareness. Enterprise's response aired in early 2003. Yes. This was the episode. That is a direct quote from IMBD. So I give, I do give Viacom credit for doing this episode. Sure. I have a lot of questions about the episode. So the way you get this disease, what was the name of it again, Holly? It's, it's the Panar syndrome, P-A-N-A-R, Panar syndrome, which is so a neurological ailment that if, that is fatal to the Vulcans. And it's through, they get it through mind meld. Yes. which Some at, people do. Because there's this, only a certain amount. Yeah. The only a certain amount have this ability to mind meld. What, well, and, and it's because, not just it's not just the mind meld. It's the it's part of it is their genetics, but the other part is the inappropriate way. Like there's a like the way I took it anyway is that there is a control, well practiced, well mastered mind melding technique, and people who are not experienced were just kind of doing it. And uh, I didn't get that at all from it, but I'll go that, with you. I mean, that was my impression from it. And I okay. didn't skip through the episode. I actually watched the whole thing. Well, I watched all the, I wa- and I even watched the end of B-plot to get into the next part of it. I, I very much got the impression they're saying that mind melding was wrong. Yes, I, absolutely. Okay. It was and taboo so, to do it. If you did, every it, the idea was is that if you ever engaged in mind meld, you got this. Like this was the negative impact. No, well, no, that it. isn't even the case. You didn't get it. And I, I know that I'm going to really disagree with you on that one. Okay. It's even just a small percentage of people that it happens to other people that can mind melt. I got that even from it. What I don't understand is if it's illegal. And so this is where I'm hoping you can help me with it is why could Spock then do it in the original series and it's going to be fine or in next generation. Well, canonically enterprise happened before those. I get that. So why would it all of a sudden become legal in the later season? So, okay, this is a great question. So there's an episode. If you guys haven't watched this show, we are we are giving you uh, some spoilers here. There is, I'm trying to, no, not Spock, the commander (laughs) who was on Enterprise with Scott Bakula's character. I'm trying to blank on her name. Anyway. Oh, T'Pol? T'Pol, yeah. So T'Pol, at some point, her mom dies. Do you remember, do you ever get to that part? Okay, in the future. God, no. In a future episode, her mom dies. Her mom is part of a radical group of Vulcans who believe that mind melding is actually a part of their inheritance as like genetically they're inherent to do this. Like, and it's only a small population. And this is where I got the idea is that it happens when a untrained mind that has that, that happens to have that gene mind melts with somebody else forcefully. And it causes this, Panar syndrome to happen. It's it's a series of things that can happen as a re- and as a result, this Panar syndrome happens. And in that episode, when her mom dies, her mom had introduced her to 
another Vulcan who actually mind melds and actually has a lot of practice and study in the art of mind meld through the the historical text that they had discovered. And so, so what you're saying is that later on you find out that there's more specifics. In there's it. more specifics to it. Okay. And this woman who is well-trained asks to Paul, it's like, I can, she goes, this is a, a thing that people believe is always bad, but really the, it's a very small, minute group of people that this actually happens to. And together we can work, we can work together to develop a cure. And I have that ability based off of the text and my training and all that. If you are a willing subject, I will mind meld with you. And so she mind melds with this woman and is cured. It it takes a little bit of time. It's not an instant overnight, but the neural pathways start actually rebuilding and she starts to recover. And then she's, she gets this historical text in this, in this particular episode where her mom dies, she actually released these documents to the Vulcan high council and they have no choice, but to actually take it and learn from it and decide whether or not, because there's like a whole societal thing when they're presented with information that might contradict the norm, they have to have like this whole like panel to review it. And she's part of that panel of reviewing. And so she's reviewing these texts and she's question. That makes me feel better then knowing, knowing that that was, cause I was like, what in the, this. Yeah. There's at least three more episodes that go into it a little bit more. And then one of them is, she and you might have seen this part as part of that B plot. She is, she goes to her home planet, and there are a, there is a subsect of people who are in hiding who believe that the Vulcans are have a different philosophy. There's a different that basically what it is is different philosophy. On the episode, she did go to that one planet. It wasn't it wasn't Vulcan, but she went to the planet and got the oh yes information that's right. uh, because so. the doctor had like some sort of like meeting there and he went there basically to get more information about the you didn't rewatch this episode before we did this podcast day did you loser hey i can only take so much of enterprise i will (laughs) i i have rewatched everything else numerous times i can i love stop ocular if i had watched this episode all because i remember trying to watch it before and going oh my fucking god so (laughs) when it first came out so i was so i had to rewatch it so i get it i'm not i'm Really, that truly was sarcastic. Cause, and so it should be known that uh, to Paul, you find out in this episode that she can't mind meld, but she was forced to mind meld with somebody. So it wasn't even her, it wasn't even her fault that it happened. And the whole deal with this is, is with the whole allegory is that it's nobody's fault that this stuff happens to them. And that she refuses to talk to, uh, they're trying to get the, the information that could help possibly help cure her at least because she's now at this point, the doctor has told her whatever the doctor's name is, which I find him, I found him very obnoxious too. Um, (laughs) That if she doesn't, if nothing more is done, she's probably going to die soon. So this is where this all leads. So they've, they're at this planet. There's a big doctor conference of a bunch of different planets. And he goes and talks to some Vulcans. They, uh, he makes up a story that he needs it for something else. Yeah, Dr. Flox. He's like, yeah, I'm Flocks. going here for... It, there was Because it was a science council meeting at, at, in like a universal group of people from different planets were coming together. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm here to see my doctor friend and they, I'm going to talk about X, Y, and Z with them and get some more information on this research. But really, and secret, he's going there to try to get more information about the Panar syndrome. And they don't believe him. They go... You've got a Vulcan on your crew. 
that makes, I'm wondering maybe if you're getting it because she has Pinar. Yeah. Pinar syndrome. So all this stuff leads to all this crap. You find out that she wasn't real. She was forced to mind meld and all this, which they don't care. They have no, they have no desire to offer any information to help. They're like, you have it. Therefore you're, you're a, you know, bad. You're ostracized. ostracized, You're a dirty little small group that we don't care about. And it's shown that they, that they don't, they haven't tried to find a cure. Yeah. Because it's this ostracized group of people of the Vulcans that they think are wrong anyway. So I get where the allegory, that's exactly how in the beginning of AIDS, how that works. So I get all that. I applaud Viacom for doing what they did. I love Scott Bakula. Oh my gosh. I love Scott Bakula. I think he's a great actor and he's sexy as fuck. This episode, (laughs) I was embarrassed by how bad his overacting was. Yeah. So it's something that I very much get the impression and I, you know, and I know there's people out there who love it. So please, I understand that it just for me, I'm watching this going, oh my God, it just, it, there is well, nothing I, about I think this for episode. Me it's because I've seen, I've seen Scott Bakula act in so many things, quantum leap being one of them. And I just, I felt like, I felt like they said, hey, Scott, I need you to act this way. No, 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 like not William that Shatner. way. I need you to be more like this. No, 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 no. Yeah. I need you to. And I felt like it was, I felt like they just let him do his craft and, and, and offer up things. And then they could tweak from that would have been a much better approach than saying, no, you have to be specifically like this. And I think if it I just, recall, if I recall correctly, there was this series was originally supposed to be a little more like rough, more raw, like the, the it enterprise. Was, it was supposed, to, it was supposed to be more like how, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica win. It was supposed yeah. to be much more that kind of kind shit. of a grunge, dirty kind of everything's kind of broken and being put back together and and, and just because the, they were so new out the gate and it but it came out oh too polished but still broken. But just I don't know, there was something well, it's just, there. It was basically uh Viacom said, no, we want this to look like all Star Treks. Yeah. So they took made take out all the rough edges for you know so there's so many things wrong with that. And then um, is it the Southern guy? Is his name Trip? Yeah. Okay. So in what we were talking about before, Trip was the one in Varen in the very first early stages of developing this series. They wanted to make gay. And oh. then well, Viacom, then you also had Malcolm, who is the security character. Are you sure it wasn't him? Because they're both because they both well, one's more English, one's more southern. Uh, from the stuff I I was looking at, and maybe you're looking at something. I different. mean, either one of them would have been a great opportunity for a queer character. Heck, even so, even Doctor Flox would have been. That would have actually made sense when you find out in this episode a stupid subplot, where about all their they're married to three or four different other people, and, and they, they have, still have sex oh, with other people. Yes, it's a multiple. That would have been perfect. Make him a pansexual. I would have. That would have been amazing. But they barely suggest it when they're like, yeah, you know, husband, yeah, I don't know. They they yeah, kind so of suggest just, it, but it was, you really had to read into it. So I don't think they actually intended it. So anyway, it was something that it Rick Berman, who yeah. is one of the producers of this, just says nothing ever happened with it, whoever it was going to be. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't happen. Rick Berman has proven from the stuff I've looked at and read up more. It's never overtly said, but he did not want to make waves is really what it gets down to. Yeah. I think this show could have benefited from making some waves personally. I think think so too. I think there was, I think this is a missed opportunity with the show to really set 
up all of the Star Trek because you hear throughout all the other series. It's like, this is why we have the rules that we have because we went out into space and we meddled in things that we shouldn't have. Yeah. And there are consequences. Um, Janeway talks about that a few times in, in, in her series about how we have these rules and how we have to follow these rules, even if we don't want to, because we think we know better, but we really don't. And you see that struggle a little bit. The Scott Bakula's character, Archer, he he and Malcolm get captured. They're on a planet. They were they were peacefully investigating, but there's a war between species. So one side thinks that they're actually spies. So they can't they they basically arrest them and torture them. And it turns out that they the the species of that planet um, are not a carbon based species. They have green blood and. Archer and Malcolm have blood, have red blood and they're like, they're different and they've, they've modified them. And they, they're thinking that these two are actually the, like some sort of genetic engineered soldier from the other side of the, of the war and trip and a few others actually take one of the a ship and they, that they still to go, to go down and like rescue them. And so they rescue them and the captain's like, you shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, thank you for doing that. But now not only did we break the prime, you know, there's no prime directive. Not only did we meddle with their entire civilization, but now they believe their enemy are genetically engineering soldiers, phasers, and invisible ships. That's what they think the other side is doing. And so now they're going to rant. They're going to, that's what they think they're going to be fighting. And so they drastically interfered with this entire planet. And you, you get this feeling like that's what enterprise was trying to prevent portray in a lot of their interactions with the species that they're interacting with is that this is why we eventually have the prime directive. This is eventually why we form rules for civilized planets that have space travel capability. These are the rules for the Federation. Okay. So can I ask a question at this point? Yeah. I think it's all this, what you're telling me is fascinating, but where is this leading somewhere to about the whole? No, I just, my, you my on one of your my podium that. that I'm on is just they could have done better, okay. not only with queer issues, but they could have just done better. Oh, yeah. OK. No, I just wanted yeah. to make sure where we're going. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's fine. Our that. listeners probably needed to know what the point was, too. So, yeah, I just no. I was I disappointed waiting. and I moved and I'll move off of my soapbox. I'll, <laughs> no, I'll it's put good. it away. I, this, <laughs> this show is a series <laughs> of disappointments. The bit I watch. So I'm not going to. All right. And I honestly should have had Dean come into this episode. Because he actually really liked it. He watched almost the entire series. So Did he? I think he actually watched the entire series. So all right. All right. Um, all right. I'd be happy to have that conversation with him another time. Uh so Voyager. Yeah. So now we're just gonna talk about Voyager because really both of these so what we talked about in the last episode was how uh Deep Space Nine finally made a, a pretty big leap and had this really great same sex story in one episode. It had a great kiss and all this stuff. And so we're thinking we're going to move on from here and actually maybe get some more queer representation. Mm. So really nothing in Star Trek Enterprise except for the Vulcanades, which did go over, what, three or four episodes, a little bit yes. here and there. So you did learn more about that. And then Voyager works, you know, going, oh, yeah, here we go. And nothing. Nothing. Nothing was done. And who produced this show, Holly? <sighs> Do I do I have to say his name? Yeah. Rick Rick Berman. So again, finding nothing that says he is anti-gay, and he may not be, but he did not want to make waves. I'm just obviously. saying actions are louder. Just saying. 
at when I, the stuff I read on here, there was talk about making Garrick Wong's character gay, but nothing came with it. And that might actually given that guy something to do other than what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, and that's so. and that's Harry Kim, who Garrett Garrett Wang played on Voyager, oh, yeah, sorry, for those Wong. who don't know. And that I mean, that would have been a, a wonderful thing to see. I mean, any of these characters, it would have been great to see something of them. I think Tom Paris uh, was a little more too, maybe too bravado, just not maybe not even bravado because that's that's not even the right way to say it. I don't know. I just feel like of the characters that well, could have Paris taken that, being, he was being said to be the the James Kirk of this, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's just and that's and I and I have to say all this. I uh, Star Trek Voyager. I always say it depends on my literally sometimes even the time of the day you ask me. It's one of my top three. Sometimes it's my number one, sometimes number two, sometimes number three. They did some amazing stuff on the show. Amazing actors. I love it. It's that Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine and Next Generation are all right there for me. And then everything else is is in in that time frame. Star Trek's the the. I mean, the three of those I think are amazing shows. But also, so besides Harry Kim, there was also uh, Wildman who had uh, the first baby on Voyager. Mm-hmm. There was talk about her potentially being in a lesbian relationship and the child yes. being raised by two mothers, and that it just never, it just never got made, just never aired. Well, if I remember correctly, wasn't there also talk of her having the baby, but then actually having a gay couple be the godparents? I think there was talk so, about yeah, that also something like that too. Like yeah, there was so. some, there was a lot of conversation, and I think this was happening in what. What was this happened? 94? No. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was. No, Next Generation ended in 94. Voyager started shortly after that. Let me see. It started and I'm on the. Doing 1995. That. It started and it went to 2001. Okay. Thank you. And there was conversation. Like Kate McGrew asked about it and said, I approached, you know, and, and in her interview, she says, I approached Rick. Uh, many times over the years about having a gay character on the show. We do a great job, uh, you know, in terms of diversity and terms of um, ethnicity and disabilities. And so it just seems absurd that we're not doing anything for the queer community. And all he, all he could say is in due time, in due time. And it never happened. And it's really in particular, well, it would have been <laughs> on any of the shows it would have been good. I just think that in a show where really you do deal with the same people every single time and they're the main part of the story, that would have added an extra layer. And the whole talk about when Seven and Nine came on, everybody thought, you know, there's a a thought because Rick Berman just kept saying, oh, we're going to bring on a a queer person. They Mm -hmm. thought she was going to be coming on as a lesbian. And that would have made sense, or at least if she would have been pansexual coming back from the board. She was the seven or nine was from the board. Well, yeah, right. There's so many ways. What she wanted. Yeah. So, so many um, ways that they could have done anything with any number of characters. They just didn't. Anything. And I again, mean, even, I go back that Rick, you know, Rick may not have ever come out and, and openly said, hey, I'm anti or whatever, but actions speak louder than the words. Where are you putting your money? Where are you putting your acts? And what is that? When you do the math on that, what is it coming out to? Well, and it's funny that who I think personally, I think it would have been amazing to see would have been Kate Mulgrew's character mm. uh, finding out that, you know, that she was, even if all said then in the beginning, in the very first episode, instead of talking to the man she was 
leaving behind with the puppies. Mm. Yes. If they just would have had her leaving behind a woman with that the puppies, that's all they would have needed. I was also, I was very impressed with Kate Mulgrew who continuously fighted about her and uh, I'm saying it wrong. Jacoy, what's his name? Her first officer. Oh, Jacote. Jacote. Yeah. Robert. Beltran. They were always fighting to have them actually have a true relationship. The producers, the directors, the writers, and she kept fighting that going, no, I don't want to be sexualized. I want my character. I don't want a love interest, you know, like that. So I think it would have been amazing if they would have done that with her character. And then mm. even later, they could have had the episode where she, uh, the episode where she um, fell in love with the holodeck character. Yes. It could have still been a male at that point. That would have been fine. It would, you know, and so it's something that that's what I think would have been amazing, you know then she could have been first on so many levels. And even yes. on that note, so I'm going to go off on my soapbox for a minute. All right, go on your soapbox. Did you know uh, that when she got her hair cut, that that went through several layers above her about, oh my God, what are we going to do? She got her hair cut. Are we going to get her a wig? Or They went through all this shit about her fucking hair. And also, and I mean that, oh, that she couldn't, oh my God, she did this. And, or she asked to get it done at first. And it went through all these layers of, of oh my god, she she wants to get her hair cut. That would not happen <laughs> with a male. <laughs> at, yeah, a male getting their hair. I'm like oh my god. I mean so, that same thing happened with Enterprise uh, Star Trek ne- Next Generation. Oh my god, I just drew a blank on her name. Um, Deanna Troy. No, that's the psychiatrist, the doctor, doctor West. Oh, Beverly Crusher. Crusher. There you go. There's a whole hullabaloo about her hair. It yeah. costs too much and it takes too much time and. Rick, not was I don't know, was it Rick that cast yes. that did that one? No, it was oh my god, no, it was Rick Byrne was part of that show, but at that but point, it, it wasn't was, the uh, conflict that ultimately got her fired in second season, yeah. But she ba- basically it was there was a series of excuses for firing her, and one of the main reasons is because her hair costs too much money and time, and yet no, you was... have Lieutenant Worf who has to have a full face of makeup done and hair, and that didn't cost time and money. Or data. I mean, or come data? on. The, yeah, he's got contacts and there's makeup. Every thick makeup. Every, every, and you have to reapply it every like throughout the entire shot because he sweats. Yeah. So he it's only yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, my there's. Gosh. I mean, there's still. I mean, and we know that about we've and uh, the Me Too movement has really shown how misogynistic yes. Hollywood still is the entertainment business, and so I think it's getting. I hope it's getting better, but at this time, I mean, my favorite characters on most of the, on most of the Star Trek series have been the, uh, been female characters. Yeah. I will say on Voyager, it's actually Tuvok who's my favorite character. I think Tuvok who is played by Tim Russ. Yes. He is a phenomenal actor. Oh yeah. Amazing. He is a very, very talented actor as an actor. I, I liked him a lot. The character, not as much as, I mean, I like the character for sure. But if I had to say for my pick of characters, obviously going to be Janeway. I, again, this goes back to my queer corner uh, of our last episode where I talked about Xena, Warrior Princess and having a a major crush. I had a major, major crush on Janeway's character. And, uh, you know, here's your sign, young young Holly. (laughs) So you want to hear this? You're going to hate this. You're going to be a little jealous of this. Oh, no. I saw Kate Mulgrew, Mulgrew in a play when I was 18-ish, and it was The Misanthrope. 
first of all, she did an amazing job in it. Second of all, she had a topless scene in it. What a waste. <laughs> I don't even think I was born yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably not. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. No, no. I yeah, probably was a baby. A baby, you and a little baby. Like, a little baby. I would I would not have appreciated it as much yeah. as I, you know. Really, I wouldn't even say now because I have the, a beautiful part, woman ne- in my nothing. life. It was actually fit very well with what was going on. And I didn't sure. think about it. Just, it she did it was amazing. And that's amazing the thing. That's the thing about nudity and shows and, and theater productions. It's like, is it does this scene, is it, is it more powerful to go with what would actually happen in the yeah. conversation versus you're forcing it? Which we'll which we'll get into in terms of queer queer and Star Trek and forcing that when we get into later later shows yeah. and later we discussions. We should probably yeah, actually so get back on track and I'm sorry we we you get us both on tangents and God knows where we're gonna go. Yes, but really you're what welcome. we're saying here is that after you know making minute steps forward with next generation to yeah. Deep Space Nine. They just stumbled hard. Hard. We're hard. in the nineties at this point. And and there's I mean it's and still in the end, two thousand and one was in two thousand one. It was still a struggle. There's still a lot of civil rights and even now, you know, in twenty twenty, we still have a lot of civil rights movements because of the inequality that is happening. Star Trek has that opportunity to help the conversation move forward. And I felt like in when Voyager and that time frame and everything that happened, I just feel like they they punked out. They they just they did not follow through. And keep in mind, and granted, it's in some ways not the best queer representation, but it was very groundbreaking at the time. Will and Grace came out in 1998, so they were on at the same time, and it right? was a top ten hit. Right. And so they had plenty of time at that time. Oh, maybe we should have a gay character on Voyager. Right. They didn't no. do it. No. I don't um, know what litmus test they were using to say yay and nay with, but they whatever it is, they they needed to severely adjust it. Anyway, and so that's why I think it's Rick Berman. I just I you I know, agree. Me personally, I, I think common it's him, factor. But, and again, I don't know this individual. And you know what, Rick, if you're listening to this, I'd be happy to have you on the show. We could settle the score. Just saying, we could talk. We could work it out. And I again, the listeners just remember that. We did state that by the time that the same sex kiss happened on Deep Space Nine, he was already done with that show, working yes. on getting Voyager going. So he, yeah, left left Deep Space Nine and moved to Voyager. So, um, so that's that's why that's why our assumption is that wonderful episode happened because he right. wasn't there because he was he's the factor that was no longer present in yeah. that moment. So anyway, could be wrong. But- <laughs> Yeah, let's, so. but I, you know what? I would love to hear that the why behind it. But moving, yeah. moving us on, you know, because we've, we've, I feel like we've covered the topic. Unless there's something else, I, uh, we're beating what was we said? Beating, beating, beating a dead, dead. horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on. So, queer corner. Our, we're going to move to our queer corner of our show. This is uh, a segment of our show. We spent a few minutes just kind of, you know. What's going on? Talking about what we want to. Yeah. I mean, obviously we already do that. It's not about you right now. It's about us. Although, although (laughs) as our show progresses and grows, um, Queer Corner will evolve to include elements of our conversations that we have with you in social media and in our email conversations. So rest assured, we will be evolving. Uh, But going into what I was saying earlier at the top of the show, I've been watching um, Supergirl. Because somebody I was talking to was like, yeah, there's queer representation in Supergirl. 
And they go, what? What? Okay, so I'm I'm pretty much done with the first season, pushing into the second season. Oh my season. god! And I forget. There's more than just. There's just more than the one. I forgot. There's another. Ooh, I'm not gonna. There's yeah, don't. More than just don't because I'm invested in the like, show. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't want to watch the show initially <laughs> because it just. I felt like why Supergirl? Why not Superwoman? Like I just really felt like there was. Uh, it was misogynistic in a way, and it just—I I don't know. They actually do a good job throughout the first season, definitely the first episode, but the fir- throughout the first season as to why Supergirl. And I and I like Cat's response to is I'm a girl. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and Cat's like this powerhouse woman, and yeah, it's like so. What are you saying? And it ma- really turns it around, and it made me think like, well, what am I saying? What is wrong with a girl yeah. anyway? I'm invested in the show. I have it's not yet to words. Right. I have and words are important, but I, but anyway, I have not gotten to the point where there's any like queer introduction at all yet, but I'm, when I watch shows and when I watch movies, I don't always look for like the queer curtain on any character, but I walk, I'm watching this show with that expectation because I was told that that was, that was the case. And I'm very curious to find out who and how that is developed and be, I'm excited to bring that to our listeners to kind of get into. Yeah. As we're talking, Gary's over here like a giddy little girl. It's going to be, I can tell you that (sighs) it's not who you think it's going to be. And I know who you think it's going to be. It's not. Uh, Yeah. So, Hmm. (laughs) Okay. Well, cause I know nothing. I literally stayed away from reading about it. And I'll be, I'm going to come out right now and just say, I think it's going to be the sister. Uh, super, super oh, okay, girl sister. Then you're going to be right. I am going to tell you you're right. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say her, the friend that made the suit for it and everything, because it's a total stereotype. We're going to have gone that way. So. No, I felt like that was too obvious. And then he's professed his love for her. Now he might be bi. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. care. You know, I, either way, I don't care. But I was specifically thinking of my, the sister. It's going to be the sister, and I'm in telling you that it. There's not, it's going to, oh, it's just such an amazing story. So you're going to love it. Her coming out. I look forward to it. I do. I do. I could go on so many other little tangents on that, but what is your court corner, Gary? Well, I'm also going to talk about another show, which I do hope at some point, because it's not, it's not the queer nerd drum that we, (laughs) that we seem to be in right now. Yes. But I hope that we do talk about at some point. It's a show called looking. It was on, um, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was either Showtime, I think it was HBO that was on. It was only lasted two seasons, and they had a movie, a two-hour movie, about a year later to wrap it up. Okay. But it it was a comedy, but it dealt very well with. It was about it was about gay men. So this is it. The conversations they had, or just the way they dealt with things, was it was done very well. So I would really recommend if they get a chance to watch that. And also as a tie-in, Scott, and this is why I'm doing it, this is right now, Scott Bakula played a character on the show and he was a, a on the show, a gay man, and oh. did an amazing job in it. So this is where my tie-in to this show is. It, um, again, it did, I thought a very, it was a funny show, it was a comedy, but did a very good job in a realistic way of, of talking about gay men. So I was okay. very impressed with that. I've I've not heard of it, so I'll have to check it out um, too. And people who were fond of Glee, Jonathan Groff, who was in Glee, is okay. the main character in that. Okay, that was mine on that. All right, cool. 
Well, I want to say thank you to everyone for joining us on our conundrum today. Our, we're going to continue our conversation. You know, what was Star Trek thinking when dealing with queer issues? And then we're going to be going into other subject matters. So just so you all know, so you're not, you don't think we only talk about TV shows, we will also be addressing just the sexuality, sexual identity. And TV shows. And TV and shows. TV shows. Um, <laughs> we'll also be addressing the, the conversations, why words are important. We'll also talk about things that are happening in politics with the civil rights movements for a multitude of reasons. And, and as our show evolves, we might find ourselves where we have a queer corner where we're talking about, uh, you know, the current things that are going on, but kind of that a, a rapid 10 minute pace well, or we'll honestly, dedicate full shows. That, Go ahead. I think even now, if you or I wanted to talk about something that wasn't, we, we've sort of gotten in this rut. So maybe we should make a promise that our next queer corner maybe isn't about entertainment. Maybe we try to find yeah. something that, it's because we really do want our queer corner to be about things in my mind, eventually be about things that people bring up in the yes. emails that they send us or yeah. on Instagram. For example, one of the things that I see us doing with queer corner is uh, learning about different terminologies that exist in our culture. And one of that is uh, gray sexuality was something that was brought up to me in a conversation. I had told this individual like, Hey, I am, I'm launching a podcast called Cornundrum with a friend of mine, and this is kind of the general idea. And we've been working on this for a little while. And in that conversation, they mentioned, like, well, you really should talk about term terminologies that aren't widely understood. For example, have you heard of gray sexuality? And I was like, what? No. And it was That was me. I had no idea what the hell she was talking about. Right? And so I brought it up to, to Gary. He's like, have you heard of this? And He's like, no. And that's why we have Cornundrum. There's a lot of things that we don't know about our own culture that we we want to learn, but also then share, but also create a platform for you to share and for you to learn so that we can have these conversations and grow our community understanding and acceptance of each other. So I, um, I think that would be a great I, I idea. On our next show, we could talk about in our core corner. But I have to say, I'm sorry, on words of matter, I, I don't know why it made me think of this. My aunt, who is an amazing woman, I love her dearly. She's in her 80s, okay? And when I first came out and they met Dean, um, she, and I said, my partner, Dean, she goes, I, I can't call him partner. That's just, I don't know. I, for some reason, she did not like that. And I go, well, you can always call him my husband. We weren't married, but, you know, call my husband. Goes, no, I, I just, no, none of that seems right. I'm going to call him your main squeeze. <laughs> Your main, your main squeeze. Now I want to know why were these other two terminologies not okay, but the she main just, squeeze it didn't feel right to her for some reason. You know, you just respect her. You know. Well, you I know, had talked to um, a family member about the word queer. I mentioned queer. I had mentioned queerundrum and talking about queer issues, and they kept cringing in the conversation. So I had to stop what I was saying in my train of thought, and it was just like. I'm like, I instinctively just felt like I was saying something that was hurting someone I cared yeah. about. And I was like, well, aunt, auntie, what's, you know, what am I saying? That's, uh, you know, it looks like you're upset. Like what is happening here? And maybe we'll address that in the future conundrum, uh, queer corner, but basically it was the word queer and they're it, a different generation, different experience. And it bothered me at first too. I've gotten used to it when you were using queer all the time. It bothered yeah. Me. And Words change and evolve. It's yeah. a, there's words 
language have an evolutionary development as our societies change. Oh, we could so really. When we talk about when we do need to talk about that, and there is one of the episodes of One Day at a Time that's on Netflix talks about this beautifully. So I will find that episode for when we actually talk about yeah. that to so include that in the conversation. My point being is, is that as you're listening to us go through what was what was Star Trek thinking with dealing with query issues, this is just a launching point for future conversations that we're going to be having. And um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from your input about the things that we're saying, the direction that we're going. Uh, right now, it's just Gary and I. As we grow, we're going to be bringing on editors and writers and directors and stuff like that. And our show will, will grow and have a little more substantial um, information. It'll look substantial well, help. <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll, in the entire time we do, we'll have five listeners. But to those five listeners, we will love you and we will yes, listen to you. Absolutely. Even if it's one, we will love you and we'll listen to you. So thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. At Quernundrum Podcast. And email us at quernundrum at quernundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer. Please listen carefully.